Hey everybody, welcome to episode 144 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this episode starts the final segment of Super Friends. This begins my coverage of what is considered season 9 of Super Friends, basically a series that does not have Super Friends at all in the title. In this year, the show was renamed the super-powered show Galactic Guardian. And this time around, I'll be covering the episodes The Seeds of Doom, which was... Uh, a full 22-minute episode, which which led off the season. And then I will be finishing things off with two 11-minute short episodes, Ghost Ship and the Bizarro Superpowers. So yeah, this begins uh, four episodes dedicated to the Galactic Guardians. And then after that, Superman 4. And that pretty much ends this long portion of the podcast, which probably took me in real time about a year and a half, maybe? Starting in 1973 and ending here in uh, 19... Ending here in 1985, so that's a long haul, and I appreciate you hanging around for it. So, a little bit about uh, this season of Super Friends. Uh, like I said, this is the fall of 1985 season, and it is the uh, final version of uh, Hanna-Barbera Super Friends, and it takes... Uh, the biggest change is a change in art style. Gone is the simplistic character designs by Alex Toth that were prevalent for the first eight seasons, and they were placed by more comics-accurate versions of the of the heroes and the villains, which were designed by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. Garcia Lopez also designed the characters for the uh, Superpowers toy line and product. So this ran on the ABC network from September 7th, 1985 until November 9th, 1985, and it is considered one of the most faithful adaptions of uh, DC Comics superheroes up until to date at that time second to challenge of the super friends and even though it's in a new format this really is the quote-unquote second season of super friends the legendary superpowers show it's a little bit more mature version of that and it does continue some of the threads that were began in the legendary superpowers show mainly dark side and his uh kind of uh quest for wonder woman and you'll see in these episodes that the uh series is uh much more serious than the show had been in the past. And that is also a very welcome change. Now, this series was canceled and the final episode aired was called The Death of Superman, which ironically, and I'm going to talk about this more in a few episodes, is the only Super Friends episode that I actually remember. I remember watching this show growing up as a kid, but prior to indexing the show for this podcast, I really didn't remember the episode all that well. This is the only episode I actually remember from when I was a kid, so it'll be very exciting for me to get to cover that when the time comes. So in this series, uh, Superman, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, and Firestorm were the leads, along with the newest uh, member, Cyborg, who will make his first appearance in the Seeds of Doom episode, and uh, he will be an unwilling um, addition to the team, uh, unlike Firestorm, who jumped at the opportunity at the beginning of Season 8. Robin will no longer use his uh, holyisms, so uh, there's that. I don't even think we're going to see Robin in, in either of the episodes that I'm covering uh, this week. And if you've watched this show and Cyborg's voice sounds familiar to you, it is none other than Ernie Hudson, who just a year prior was Winston Zedmore in Ghostbusters, and eventually in Ghostbusters 2, and possibly in the new movie that's coming out next year? I hope so. I'd love to see Win Ernie Hudson back as uh, as Winston instead of uh, in a cameo in the uh, like the Ghostbusters movie from a couple years ago, but there's that. So, very excited to hear, you know, almost a young, uh, you know, it's weird hearing Ernie Hudson voice a teenager because even in 1985, he is probably around 30. So there is that. The headquarters is the Hall of Justice, which is the Metropolis. Uh, it had been uh, redesigned uh, for this series, a little bit more dome-like and uh, larger, a little more technologically advanced. It does, it's no longer modeled after the uh, Cincinnati Union Station, even though it does retain some of those elements. The Wonder Twins are gone, and we're all happy for that. And El Dorado and Flash only appear in one episode of the show. Hanna-Barbera eliminated uh, most of the quote-unquote ethnic characters that it, it had uh, created for the show, mainly um, Black Vulcan, Apache Chief, El Dorado. But for some reason, it kept Samurai. I don't know. I can't explain that, but there you go. Again, uh, Wonder Woman was recast as uh, veteran voice actress B.J. Ward replaced Connie Caulfield, who only uh, did uh, one uh, one episode. And before the Superpowers toy line was canceled, the uh, third wave of figures included Cyborg. And you heard all about uh, the toy line in, in Steve Rogers' letter last time. If uh, So if you uh, want to hear that or miss that episode, it's on the uh, previous episode in which uh, 
the Supergirl episode. So that's at the beginning. So you can go and listen for that if you choose. And also uh, in 1985, the Superpowers team, Galactic Guardians had no competition from other networks. There was no other superhero fair on TV at that time. So with that, we get the Joker and the Penguin who make their first and only Super Friends appearances in two separate episodes. Batman and Robin appeared in Joker's debut. However, they were not present for Penguins, you know, which tends to happen in this show. The uh, hero uh, does not always necessarily appear with his or her villain. We're also going to get a... uh, Appearance from the Royal Flush Gang and Felix Faust. So we have that to look forward to. So as far as a little bit of a continuity, the uh, Superpowers team will share, of course, with the previous eight seasons. And with respect to their battles with Darkseid, he is still determined to conquer Earth and make Wonder Woman his bride. You will hear Firestorm refer to that, and uh, Darkseid will give her yet another opportunity to become his wife in uh, the Seas of Doom, I want to say. You'll, uh, we're also going to encounter Lex Luthor, and the Scarecrow will show up too. And uh, the only thing that really uh, keeps uh, Galactic Guardians in line with the uh, anything before Season 8 is the music and uh, most of the voice cast. Th- this series also features the first televised depiction of Batman's origin in the episode The Fear, and I'll be talking about that next week. And obviously, we've already discussed, it is the first ever appearance of Cyborg outside of the comics. So, the cast for this year. Narrator is William Woodson. The announcer is uh, Dick Tufeld. The uh, Super Friends cast is uh, Superman, voiced by Danny Dark. He went the whole way. From 1973 to 1985. Batman, voiced by Adam West. 1984 and through 1985. Oh, like Danny Dark, Casey Kasem did the whole run as Robin. From 1973 to 1985. BJ w- Ward voiced Wonder Woman for only this season. Mark L. Taylor voiced Firestorm in this season and the last. And uh, obviously... Ernie Hudson is uh, voiced is voicing Cyborg for this season only. So that makes Danny Dark and Casey Kasem the only two actors to go the distance as far as the Super Friends are concerned. Jack Angel will voice Samurai. Bill Calloway will voice Aquaman. Hawkman was voiced by Jack Angel. Green Lantern was voiced by Michael Rye. The Flash was voiced by Jack Angel. Dark Side was voiced by Frank Welker. The Side was voiced by Rene Abergenois. Kalabak was, was voiced by Frank Welker. And uh, individual villains, Lex Luthor is voiced by Stan Jones. I believe his only appearance this season is in the opening sequence of, of the Seeds of Doom. Frank Welker voiced the Joker. The Penguin was voiced by Robert Morse. And uh, Joe Chill was voiced by Joe Baker. So that's pretty much the long and short of the Superpower show, The uh, Galactic Guardians. Before I get into uh, coverage proper, I have feedback to address. This feedback is from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on Mana Screen, episode 133, and Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. I must begin by saying how good it was to hear feedback from some of your other listeners. I think the conversation is better with more than just two people involved. I can't say I'm sad that you've quickly reached the end of this short season of Super Friends. They haven't been the best stories overall, and stories in this episode have been remarkably bad in my opinion. The Iron Cyclops, by its title alone, held such promise for me, reminiscent as it is of the Iron Giant which I always describe as the best Superman movie ever made that doesn't actually have Superman in it. I realized the movie the movie version of The Iron Giant wasn't released until 1999, but it was based on the book The Iron Man, written in 1968 by Ted Hughes. Sadly, The Iron Cyclops is nothing like The Iron Giant. It should simply be called Basic Physics? What's that? Clearly, the writers of this story either didn't know or care that gravity is not an independent force. It's simply a characteristic of mass. If Planet Zeron has no gravity... That means the planet has no mass, which means it doesn't actually exist as a physical object. To quote-unquote steal Earth's gravity would mean stealing Earth's mass and transferring it to Xeron. I realize that there's a thing called willing suspension of disbelief, and that, to enjoy superhero stories, we must be exceedingly willing, but this is just a bridge too far for me. Oddly, I'm more willing to accept violations of laws of physics in Colossus, with an insanely giant gigantic being walking through space, putting Earth into a gigantic bottle, etc. But combined with the Iron Cyclops, I kept hearing Chief Engineer Montgomery Scott from Star Trek saying, But Captain, I cannot change the laws of physics! The stowaways from space gave me a bit of a chuckle, not just for the octopus riding an ice unicycle, but also to hear the one that went referring to, to aliens, when to them, everyone on Earth would be an alien. The Scaragosta to Sea isn't great, but at least the writers have Batman and Robin facing ghost pirates. I think they're the super friends best suited to dealing with ghosts, and I guess since the ghosts are pirates, Aquaman makes sense too. The witch's arcade with the Wonder Twins trapped inside a pinball machine is a good concept, but it's not ba- and it's not badly executed. The only really bad part for me was that the Wonder Twins were freed in the end. 
Wonderland. I've really come to dislike the Wonder Twins, but at least they're not Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. I'm looking forward in the next couple of weeks to hearing your coverage of Superman 3. I think there are some clunky moments in that movie, but there is much to like in it as well. Live long and prosper, Dave. As always, uh, thank you, Dave, for writing in. And, you know, when Dave was ranting about the Iron Cyclops, I wasn't... I had no memory of the, what that episode was until Dave mentioned the stealing of Earth's gravity. Then it all hit me like a ton of bricks. And I recall having the same problems that Dave did. I don't think I was willing to suspend my disbelief for that either. Dave gave you the scientific explanation in his capacity as a math teacher. I just said, I don't like that. And I moved on. Dave gave an explanation. So good on you, Dave. We all appreciate it. And yeah, I have nothing further to add to the rest of uh, Dave's uh, points on each of the episodes. So let's get into uh, this new season, shall we? Let me take a quick break, play a podcast promo, and then we'll come back with The Seeds of Doom. Hang around, folks. My name is Grundy, born on a Monday. The following recording was taken from an NSA wiretap of a back to the men's taping. No names have been changed. Everyone is guilty. Do I need to mine, or am I good where I'm at? Well, now you do. <laughs> if I have to mine, you have to yours. You might want to yours only if you do have it set to automatically because you don't want it to automatically because the thing never works right. Because what will happen is it will be used to you at a particular and then if you go out of that, it scrambles to a and it doesn't fast enough. So it's better to just set it up. Oh, okay. It really doesn't work well. So I checked. Right. Uh, I checked my. Uh, what's mm-hmm. it called? My. It definitely built built me for the hotel for all three of us. Join back to the bins every week for goodness. Solomon Grundy hate voiceovers. All right, welcome back, folks. Let's kick off coverage of the Galactic Guardians with the Seeds of Doom. And this was written by Alan Burnett. And the original broadcast date was September eleventh, nineteen eighty-five. And our synopsis is brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. Cyborg helps the Superpowers team catch Lex Luthor, but declines joining the group. Anyone who can capture Lex Luthor single-handedly would be a welcome addition to the Superpowers team. You bet! Thanks, but uh, no thanks. You guys take the credit for this. I've got to pick up a friend. Hey, did he just turn down an invitation to join the Superpowers team? It's not the first time, Firestorm. I've asked Cyborg to join us before. I don't believe it. The world is full of surprises, Ronald. When Ronnie Raymond goes to talk with Cyborg... Hey, uh, Cyborg, uh, wait up. Do I know you? Well, yeah, sort of. You see... You must be Firestorm. Huh? How did you know? Enhanced hearing. I recognize your voice. Far out. So, what brings you here? I thought you might change your mind about becoming a Superpowers member if you knew there was someone else on the team your own age. Sorry, pal. Not interested. Why? Because I want to live a normal life. You see, even though you're Firestorm, you can still have a regular life in your secret identity. But look at me. Take a good look. I'll never have a secret identity. I can't hide this face and pretend I'm somebody else. I never thought of that. It's tough enough getting people to accept me as normal. Imagine what life would be like if I joined the super... Hey, what's that weird noise? What noise? It's coming from over there. Boy, you do have good hearing. Who is that guy? Calabac. Darkseid's pride and joy. It's time for a quick change. They spot Calabac planting one of the sides. Seeds of doom that Darkseid hopes will convert Earth into another apocalypse. Is everything going according to plan? Like clockwork, Darkseid. As you can see, our computer is generating the stargates that are sending the paradromes to their destinations on Earth. Within hours, thousands of my seeds of doom will be planted throughout the planet, with the last one targeted for the very center of Metropolis. Excellent design. My seeds of doom will be your seeds of victory, sire. Father, allow me the honor of planting the final seed myself. So be it. Think you can manage it? Watch your tongue, Desaad. Enough, you two. 
I will have none of your bickering. Not tonight. Not when I'm so close to victory over the superpowers team. Firestorm, Cyborg, and Wonder Woman go to Apocalypse to find where the other seeds are buried. Good work, Cyborg. You've tapped into the seeds' locations already. That's not all I'm doing. If my internal circuitry reads this computer right, we can use it to transmit the data to Earth right now. Far out. And Cyborg ends up joining the team. You realize, Cyborg, that you now have a dangerous enemy in Darkseid. Yeah, especially after that remodeling job you did on his place. It's time you finally joined the team. You can see how much we need you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was meant to be a member all the time. Great! Come on, let me show you around the Hall of Justice. Wait till you see this place. And afterwards, I know a bunch of kids who would sure like to meet the famous Firestorm. You're on. You know, I think this is going to be the start of a beautiful friendship. Okay, uh, not really a whole lot to that summary, but the one thing I do like about this episode is that after you get a season full of 11-minute short episodes, it's very refreshing to get a full 22 minutes for one story. I mean, we got that twice in the previous season with uh, The Bride of Darkseid and Darkseid's Golden Trap, but really, you know, they show here how an episode can really shine when it's got enough time to breathe and time to tell its story at the pace in which the story needs to be told. And I also like that it's really unencumbered by the short episode format. When the previous season did full 22-minute episodes, they were delineated into part one and part two. This season is going to move away from that. In eight half hours, there are going to be two half hours that have two 11-minute stories. The other six are full 22-minute episodes. And just seeing the 22-minute the episode this week and the two... 11 minutes in the in the next segment it's going to be easy to spot how much better the full length stories are so without further ado let's get into this episode shall we first and foremost you know just from the opening sequence alone i know i'm going to love the new art style and while maybe the alex toth design is what most people remember from the super friends i think for me since like i said in the opening segment really the only episode i remember from when I was a kid was the Death of Superman episode, the final one. This is probably what I think of when I think of the Super Friends, more so than Challenge or the Legendary Superpower Show. I mean, this is it for me right here. This is the Galactic Guardians are my Super Friends. Let's just say that. So the opening animation, I'll talk a little bit about that. It, you know, it shows the new uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, artwork. And it just looks like it walked right off the comic book page. And you see a lot of... Uh, New toys for the Super Friends, uh, more, more classic characters. For some reason, Samurai still hangs around. So, but as far as the episode goes, we're going to start off with Cyborg helping a kid with a prosthetic leg. If you had never read a comic up until this point, this would be your first introduction to Cyborg. And here he is. Um, you know, helping a kid with a prosthetic leg is a pretty good use for Cyborg. As you look at him, he clearly has, uh, a lot of prosthetics. He would probably be better able to relate to, uh, to that kind of kid than anyone else would. So while uh, Cyborg is walking with this kid, Lex Luthor attacks with a giant spider. And this is one of those classic Silver Age and even Golden Age things where this mechanical spider that Lex Luthor created probably cost millions to make. How many thousands of dollars is he robbing from this bank? Probably less than the spider is worth. One big difference? They're no longer referred to as the Super Friends. Instead, they're calling themselves the Superpowers team. They don't even call themselves the Justice League anymore. Now it's all strictly the Superpowers team. And I really love the new Superman look. Really emphasizes his muscles. And uh, the rest of the heroes, like Wonder Woman and Firestorm, don't look a whole lot different to me. I mean, maybe they have a little bit more detail than they did in the previous seasons, but that's about it. So here is Cyborg in action. We've already seen him kind of bounce around the... but he looks uh, pretty comics accurate to what I remember him looking like in the comics of that time. Mostly his legs and arms and the left side of his face appear to be prosthetic. The rest is uh, organic. There's a lot more of his body left than there is in uh, modern comics. Now, the only thing organic is like a part of his face and his brain. You know, He looks more like Robocop than uh, Cyborg uh, as he looks here. But he's shown off his strength and he's able to interface with the computer around Luthor's spider and uh, causes the whole thing to crash. So that's the power that he has uh, retained throughout his history. And interesting enough, 
Firestorm is carrying Wonder Woman, kind of just by the wrist, dragging her along as he flies. I guess with uh, her constant use of the invisible jet through the entire run of this show, Wonder Woman does not seem to fly in this series. I guess that's something I just uh, dawned on me now. So they quickly capture Luthor and... uh Probably quicker than I expected them to, but they just caught Luthor and Superman invites Cyborg to join the team as a reward for the good job that he just did. But apparently, Cyborg has turned the superpowers team down several times before. So, that's an interesting concept. I'm kind of wondering why uh, Cyborg is not joining the team. You would think anybody would jump at the opportunity. We remember back in the previous season when Rodney Raymond did just that, and we're not going to hear the last of this. It's going to come up several times throughout the course of this episode. So now, uh, some kind of creature from Apocalypse comes uh, through a gate, and it plants a seed, which is one of the uh, titular seeds of Doom. And this character is orange and red, looks a little dynamic. I'm guessing this is a parademon, which usually look a little more green from what I remember, but to each their own, I guess. So we get our first look at Apocalypse in this season. And now it looks like Apocalypse. It's no longer an ice planet as it was in uh, the previous season. Now, you know, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. He animated a proper looking Apocalypse. Fire pits and all. Statues of Darkseid. The hellish landscape. The orange sky. That is the Apocalypse that I know. Not that ice planet that they passed off for Apocalypse uh, during the legendary superpower show now one thing i like so far and you can do this in a 20 minute story or 22 minutes rather that you got a quick uh, sequence of the superpower team fighting luthor it's a quick action hook to uh, get us into the episode it introduces us to cyborg real quick it it doesn't really start the story but it starts cyborg's story into the show so it kind of reminds me it's kind of like in the james bond movies when they have that seemingly unrelated action sequence at the beginning of the episode it's not meaningless because it introduces cyborg but you know you know what i mean you can have just a a five minute action sequence that doesn't affect the main story that much in a 20 minute episode you can't do that when in 11 when you only have so much real estate in which to tell your story the narration is notable in its absence i don't miss it at all there will be no Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, this time around, and I don't miss it. Once you show me the Hall of Justice, I know where we are. So, Desaad has planted several thousand seeds, and Kalabak wants the honor of planting the final seed, which is probably a recipe for disaster. We all know how good uh, Kalabak is at his job. So, back on Earth, Ronnie is obsessed with Cyborg not wanting to join the team. And, again, like I mentioned, how Ronnie Raymond jumped at the opportunity when Superman offered him membership. But... We're going to find out that Cyborg is a little different. He's not, I don't know if I necessarily want to say that Ronnie is a glory hound, but but he definitely jumped at the opportunity to join the team. Cyborg is a little more reclusive, and uh, apparently Cyborg's origin is detailed in a medical journal. So we get a quick rundown of um, who uh, Cyborg is. I will play that for you right now, because the show explains it far better than I can. You see, Cyborg's life has not been easy. This medical journal tells his story. He was once Victor Stone, a promising decathlon athlete, until a terrible accident damaged most of his body. Gee! Fortunately, Vic's father was a cybernetics genius. He saved his son's life by replacing Vic's injuries with robotic components. Since then, Vic's been known as Cyborg. Amazing! Yes, but he was so distraught over his robotic appearance that he became reclusive and shunned all publicity. Do you think it would help if I talked with him? It sure would be great to have someone my own age on the superpowers team. You can try. Last I heard, Cyborg was working at a special school for disabled children. So even if Cyborg doesn't want to be a superhero, he's doing good work at a school for disabled children. And one thing I don't like is how in that narration, they the first thing the professor says was that Cyborg used to be once known as Vic Stone. No. He's still Vic Stone. He doesn't stop being Vic Stone just because he has a few cybernetic parts. Now, so apparently, uh, Ronnie will catch up with Cyborg, and uh, basically, he wants a normal life. He wants, he doesn't want all this. He doesn't want, you know, to be half robot. He just wants to be Vic Stone, and he mourns not having a secret identity. And just because someone has abilities or some kind of enhancement doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be a superhero or by extension a supervillain they can just you know live their life and do their thing and to be honest i don't know what kind of a normal life uh vic hopes to have i mean can't hide what he is and uh that's why he doesn't want to be a superhero but he's kind of stuck on that dc trope that in order to be a superhero you need to have a secret identity which is something that you know a lot of comics in a sense are trying to move away from even though i it 
sticks to some characters better than others, mostly Superman, Batman. But if you watch any of those CW TV shows, boy, do they play fast and loose with secret identity, even the ones that are trying to keep one. So Cyborg and uh, Vic are interrupted by Kalabak planting the uh, final seed, and uh, Rod- Ronnie turns into uh, Firestorm to take care of the problem. But since Firestorm can't handle Kalabak on his own, Cyborg saves him. For someone who doesn't want to be a superhero, he sure does a good job of stepping up when the situation calls for it. So the seeds uh, sprout into a bunch of plants and uh, they're engulfed. And then Superman comes in to uh, save the day. And I'm going to continue to mention how much I love how buff Superman is in this series. And uh, Superman, you know, he is larger than charge in this in this particular episode. He, I just like how he just whips up that plant and tosses it into space. Spins it around and off it goes. From there, we get our first look at the Hall of Justice. It is a similar concept, but like... But a lot less rectangular than it was before, and uh, instead of it looks more to me now more like the Pentagon as opposed to the Cincinnati Union Station that it was originally based on. The biggest thing that it retains is the uh, two I don't know I guess you want to call them poles or columns built into the uh, front of the building to kind of form a little bit of an H. But everything else is a lot more rounder, and the whole complex seems to be a Pentagon. And this design does not live long because when people think of the Hall of Justice, they think of the uh, Designed from the first eight seasons. And when people recreate the Hall of Justice in either modern comics or adapted media, it's the season one through eight version. It's not this. Makes me think of uh, what'll happen a couple years later with the Thundercat. The uh, new design for the Cat Slayer when they moved to New Thundera. I'm sure it was forgotten quickly in favor of the uh, classic design that was used on Third Earth. And uh, inside the Hall of Justice is a lot more computerized, a lot more advanced. Looks more like the Bridge of the Enterprise than the Hall of Justice. So Cyborg is still trying to leave, but then we get a call from Darkseid saying that... From what Cyborg told us, the seed's growth must have been triggered by a special frequency. It's possible there could be more seeds. If you guys are done with me, I think I'll be going. At a time like this? Yeah, I've had enough thrills for one... Greetings from Apocalypse. Huh? Dark side. By now you should have encountered the first of my seeds of doom. Thousands more are set to sprout in exactly three hours. Their roots will crack the Earth's crust, creating all manner of disasters, turning your planet into a second apocalypse. You fiend. However, I am willing to tell you the locations of the seeds under one condition. The superpowers members must pledge their allegiance to me for all time. Otherwise, Earth is doomed. Man, that dude is me. Here we go. Thousands of seeds, I guess, will equal thousands of fire pits. They'll burrow through to... uh. The Earth's core, and boom, instant apocalypse. Oh, just for the record, in the animation, uh, Batman looks a lot buffer in this episode, too. Batman and Superman, for the most part, everybody else, you know, my eye for art is not as discerning as other people, where the rest of the characters don't look a ton different to me. Maybe Wonder Woman has a little bit more detail to me, but that's pretty much it. Any, if any of my listeners are well, are more well-versed in art than I am, or animation, they can feel free to uh, let me know their thoughts. I'd love to hear them. So Darkseid has a simple demand. The uh, superpowers team must surrender, and he will tell them where all the seeds of doom are. Nobody's going for that. Cyborg suggests tapping into Darkseid's computer, and he kind of uh, volunteered himself, much to his own chagrin. He uh, suggested tapping into Darkseid's computer. Guess what, Cyborg? You're the only one capable. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right, so now uh, another change. They brought up the fact that Darkseid is in another dimension. Definitely more DC Comics than the uh, previous season. Last season just seemed to indicate that uh, they could just fly to Apocalypse at any time they want through normal space without the help of an interdimensional warp. So Wonder Woman is on her, is on her way, and she wants to meet with Darkseid, presumably. She has uh, been granted permission to land, which I didn't see coming. And uh, Wonder Woman's uh, negotiation uh, trip to Apocalypse is how Ronnie and Cyborg get there. So she's alone when she gets off the ship, but as Darkseid's minions search, they do not find the others. Apparently, Firestorm hid in the computers, and uh, then uh, he transmuted a wall to reveal Cyborg. And uh, when Dark, when as a Cyborg is kind of asking Firestorm what's going on, why Wonder Woman is going up to Darkseid, I love how Firestorm just said, "Yeah, he kind of likes her," which is an allusion to the uh, to Darkseid's continued efforts to make Wonder Woman his bride. So the new guys, and by extension the youngest, are instrumental in saving the day. So now we get another action sequence as the Parademons attack uh, Cyborg and uh, Firestorm, who seem to make a habit of getting lost. So uh, Apocalypse apparently has running water, and Firestorm turns it into glue. Now, Professor Stein tells Firestorm where the computer room was, and they find out. I don't know how the professor knew where it was, but 
He does. And they run into Dasad, who apparently for his trouble gets his clothes transmuted into stone, which, okay. And it's really uh, not too uh, difficult for uh, Cyborg to hack the computer and send the plants to Earth. They don't even have to bring the data themselves. They just beam it to the Hall of Justice and uh, I guess by some kind of narrow beam transmission or something. I don't know. Now, the plants are off. Now all they have to do is escape. So Wonder Woman is stalling and uh, Darkseid floats marriage as a way to uh, delay the siege deployment. That dark side, he just doesn't know how to take no for an answer. He is determined to keep trying. But before Wonder Woman can say anything, yay or nay, I'm sure she's not going to say yay, so her nay is interrupted by Calabac coming in with uh, some glued parademon. <laughs> and Wonder Woman is not going to hang around for the festivity. She is out of there. So we get an- another quick action sequence, which is mostly a chase. I kind of like that Firestorm doesn't know where he's going and uh, keeps getting Cyborg into trouble. I'm guessing uh, Cyborg and uh, Firestorm are going to be our comedic duo for most of the season the omega effect looks better here as well evidenced by when Darkseid finds firestorm and cyborg among the uh stored seeds of doom his mega beams kind of bounce off whatever they need to bounce off the one thing about Darkseid's mega beams is that he has pinpoint accuracy if his target moves his mega beams will move almost as if they have a will of their own and that's and here they just kind of bounce off a reflective surface. So uh, Cyborg uh, sprouts the seeds early with a sound trick, and that keeps Darkseid busy, and it allows them to escape. So now, with time uh, winding down in this episode, we get a shot of each superhero grabbing uh, one seed. Aquaman grabs a bunch with the help of some octopi, who uh, seem to be doing most of the work. And another thing I really like here is that I love the shot of Superman making them into a ball and throwing them into the sun. So the adventure concludes with Cyborg giving in and joining the team, and rightly so. The work he did to save the Earth from the seeds more than justifies his membership on the team. Very few of you have heard me talk about, if you listen to my Justice League episode, Man Screen, I don't remember what Man Screen Extra that was, but one of the things I lamented was Cyborg's promotion to the Justice League, which almost seems to have a root here, now that I think about it. But to me, this character is always a titan, and I wasn't a big fan of his being promoted at the expense of the Martian Manhunter. That's not a knock on the character, just I grew up with Jean Jones in the league, not Victor. To me, Victor is always a titan. That has no bearing on this episode. He justified his membership. He did everything he needed to do competently in his first adventure. He didn't kind of blunder in in and out of success the way Firestorm did. So he is a competent superhero. So we're off to a good start. I really missed 22 episodes, and this one had a little bit of everything. So you did a lot. They did a lot of little things in this episode. Episode that you can't do in an 11-minute story, as you're going to see in the next segment. But before we get to that next segment, I'm going to take a break, play another promo, then I'm going to come back with Ghost Ship and the Bizarro Superpowers team. Hang around, folks. If you rebuild it, they will go. They burned it down. If you rebuild it, they will come. You didn't hear them? Thank you, pardon. The voices. People. If you rebuild it, they will go. They blew it up. If you rebuild it, they will come. They demolished it. If you rebuild it, they will go. But horror has a permanent address. Welcome to my home. The House of Frankenstein lives. You see, uh, we began a project a few years ago, but unfortunately it was it was interrupted. And we're most anxious to take it up again. In September and October, the Fire and Water Podcast Network presents a Supermates tradition, covering four classic horror films and four related comic book adventures. I must find more victims before my work is done. You need look no further, Vampirus. We'll take the bat jet to the Hall of Justice and transform the other super friends. <laughs> Featuring an all-star cast. James Spader. Are you crazy? Jack Nicholson. Oh, just marking my territory. Anthony Hopkins. She lives beyond the grace of God, a wanderer in the outer darkness. Lon Chaney Jr. One becomes accustomed to the darkness here. Michelle Pfeiffer. You're afraid that when it gets dark, you'll attack me. Vincent Price. Let's, uh... See what the rest of this mausoleum looks like. Gary Oldman. Enters freely of your own will and leave some of the happiness you bring. Winona Ryder. I almost feel pity for anything so hunted as this count. Peter Cushing. I am a doctor of medicine, law, and physics. To the best of my knowledge, doctorates are not awarded for witchcraft. But if ever they are, no doubt I shall qualify for one. And Keanu Reeves. Doctor! 
This Halloween, visit our field of screams at the scenic house of Frankenstein, where terror is only a listen away. <laughs> All right, welcome back, folks. The two episodes in this segment had an original broadcast date of September 18th, 1985. And we're going to start this segment off with Ghost Ship. This is written by Anthony Zalusk. And both of our synopses are brought to you by SupermanHomePage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. While in space, Darkseid destroys a ship being used by Superman, Cyborg, and Firestorm. Luckily, the heroes get into a huge, apparently empty ship, and they find one occupant who is caring for a a chip that holds our planet's population, since their planet was destroyed. When Darkseid arrives and steals the chip, Firestorm makes a rock give off yellow solar radiation to power up Superman. Superman, your powers! Can't you do something? Sorry, Princess. Without the rays of a yellow sun... Hey, wait! Firestorm, see that asteroid? I think I'm way ahead of you. Let's hope this ship can stand the heat. No! Destroy them now! Come on! Change! Change! It's working! I can feel it! So we start off in space, and a bunch of asteroids are floating by an orange sun. At first, I wasn't sure why Superman was on a spaceship, because this star looked yellow to me, but it turns out to be orange. And it cuts Superman powers in half, which, okay, as I guess, orange is halfway between yellow and red. So by that logic, uh, Superman's powers are at half capacity. So Darkseid and Kalibak drop in on the team, and Darkseid blows a hole in the superpowers team's ship. And this is a nice animation of the decompression, and uh, Firestorm basically transmutes some matter in to plug a hole in the ship and to keep them from go going out of the space. Superman says there was one way out, and the super friends are apparently destroyed. And when I say apparently destroyed, what happens is, Darkseid's ship fires on the super friend ship. There's an explosion, and apparently an the explosion covered their escape, and they hid behind an asteroid. It's almost like a trick out of The Empire Strikes Back, or even something that would be used in Attack of the Clones in 2002, where Obi-Wan Kenobi is being trailed by Jango Fett and his son Boba, and he uh, jettisons, I believe, spare parts, which causes an explosion and allows him to hide, and that's how he gets away. The Super Friends kind of do the same thing here. So, thinking he uh, destroyed the ship, Darkseid believes he has defeated the team, and I guess he doesn't realize that there were only three members aboard. There are still plenty of more members of the Superpowers team on Earth, either at the Hall of Justice or in their own cities doing whatever it is they're doing. So, meanwhile, uh, while they're hiding out on this asteroid, uh, the ship detects what Superman had originally seen, and... Apparently, it's a derelict spaceship that basically looks like a huge space fish. And Superman keeps lamenting that his powers don't work as they should as they go and investigate the ship. Superman does a lot of complaining about his uh, half-strength powers in this episode. Well, they find a forest-like environment on the ship and some small robots uh, that Cyborg takes a, li a liking to. Apparently, they are robot farmers on a derelict spaceship. So now they are met by a princess who looks like a tall robot, and she tells them that they are trespassing, and she's not very happy with them. And uh, the princess uh, disappears, and uh, Cyborg finds the uh, plans to the ship. The uh, princess appears again to warn them. So whatever it is they're doing, the princess doesn't like it, and it is unclear at first uh, why she appears to be so hostile to them. Apparently, we're going to learn that she's hostile to all of us. But as she's delivering this second warning, they watch her phase to a door. So apparently, she's some kind of hologram or apparition, but... The robots that attack the Super Friends are neither holograms or apparitions. They're physical. They're tangible. They hurt. But even weakened, Superman takes one down and then punches it into its buddies. So it's good to see that even a half-powered Superman can take care of business. You know, even Firestorm is not doing a whole hell of a lot in this fight. So Darkseid uh, finds the uh, derelict spaceship and he determines that it could have weapons on it. So he's going to check it out. Now, after uh, three warnings, the team is attacked by a big ball of energy. This princess is not taking any crap from anybody. She uh, wants the superpowers team off her ship, and she's going to get it any way she can. Well, not against this team, as uh, Cyborg saves everybody who's around him, namely uh, the side and dark side. But Cyborg saves his friends by cutting a hole uh, through the wall and into the control room. And here's the princess again. But this time, she is no longer an apparition or a hologram. This time, she's real. And when Cyborg yells for Superman because he gets to where the princess is standing and is holding her, as soon as he calls for Superman, the princess immediately calms down and stops her attack. Apparently, uh, Superman is uh, well-known throughout the uh, universe. No! 
I've got her, Superman! Superman? Can this be? Well, looks like your reputation precedes you. Please forgive me. Ever since asteroids crippled my ship, I've used holograms to scare pirates away. You see, I'm on a mission most brave. My home world was destroyed in a terrible chain reaction. <gasps> That's what happened to Krypton. I was entrusted to lead my people to a new world in the Beta System. What people? Yeah, this is a regular ghost ship. When we ran out of food, the entire population was reconfigured onto a single microchip, which I keep in here, close to my heart. Amazing. Once we reach our destination, I will bring them back to normal. Amazing indeed. Galabak, repair the Stargate. Hmm, one of the engines has only minor damage. We should have this ship moving in no time. Send uh... Apparently, this asteroid field that they're in is what remains of her home planet. So, apparently, her people have been uploaded into this microchip that she's uh, wearing. Her name is Princess Eliana. She's uh, wearing the population of her home world around her neck. Okay, I guess I've heard weirder things, but this is a new one. And that's when Darkseid shows up, and he steals the microchip. And as Darkseid does, he's going to make all the uh, people of her world to slave. And off he goes. You didn't think that would be the end of the story, did you? No, there's more to go. And they're back on the ship, and I love Calibac's eagerness to uh, destroy the remaining super friends. He is so anxious to destroy them that he is unwilling to wait until they're out of range of the explosion to destroy the ship with the super friends on it. He is going to destroy that ship now and be damned of any uh, collateral damage, which might be him. He doesn't think about that. Darkseid is thinking about that because he's not really entertaining much of what Kalabak is uh, suggesting. What he does suggest is that he just waits to move out of range of the blast and then destroy the ship, which sounds far more sensible. And it even makes sense to Kalabak, who can't imagine why he didn't think of it before. So Superman is still low on power, but has an idea, and his plan is to have Firestorm transmute an asteroid into a yellow sun, which I didn't know Firestorm could do that kind of transmutation, but I guess he can do whatever the plot requires of him. So, here we go. And once he's charged up, Superman is large and in charge, and he is about to take care of business. And you can see his chest puffs out a little bit, and the speed he's moving shows only a blur behind him. And uh, Darkseid, to uh, facilitate his own escape, tosses the microchip away from Kalibak's ship, and Superman has to choose to save it rather than catch the villain. A Superman-like decision right there. The Man of Steel will always save lives before catching the bad guys so the princess's people are restored and she's grateful and uh off they go as firestorm creates a bubble i can't thank you enough now that my people are rematerialized please take this amulet as a token if the superpowers team can ever be of help you know where to find us next time we meet, i promise you a warmer reception i certainly hope so okay guys now it is time to go home farewell my friends And this was a decent episode to watch. Not a lot to it, though. They investigate the ship, fight Darkseid for a few minutes. Add to the joy of the 22-minute uh, episode in the first segment. To go back to 11 here is disappointing. It's kind of back to compressed storytelling. So let's finish this episode off with the Bizarro Superpowers Team. This is written by Glenn Leopold. Bizarro number one comes to Earth with the duplicator ray and creates Bizarro duplicates of Wonder Woman Cyborg, and Firestorm. Mr. Macy's Pitalik appears and decides to teach the Bizarros how to be heroes. We take team back to protect Bizarro World. <laughs> Not so fast, number one. These new superheroes are going to need training. Oh, it gets worse. Who am that? Mr. Mitzelplik, he am very helpful. Indeed. I'll teach you everything there is to know about being a superhero. Not that there's that much to it. Hold it, Mitzelplik. You're not going anywhere with these guys. Come now. Your powers are nothing compared to my magic. Maybe those trophies have gone to your heads. <laughs> Me like your hats. Until Wonder Woman has a bizarre Mixias Pitalik created who causes the imp to say his name backwards and disappear. Me? Go to Bizarro World and make everything beautiful, just like on Earth. Oh no, him fix things? Us must return to Bizarro World at once. What? 
allow me to provide the transportation. <laughs> that ugly piece of junk? No way! Us superheroes travel second class! Nice work. Come, Bizarro's time to stop Kilpless, Tim. But, but our lessons! You can't leave now! Forget about Kilpless, Tim! Oh, no! I said it! I think class is over, guys. Goodbye, Superpowers team. Wish us bad luck. Goodbye, Goodbye number one. <laughs> Goodbye. <coughs> and good riddance. <laughs> oh, my God. This is not a good episode. Not a good story. A lot of people have a lot of affection for Bizarro. I don't. And just to add Mr. Mixer's Piddle into the mix with Bizarro, that's just a recipe for an annoying episode. I'll write that in there. So basically what we see is a, the scene is being set in space and we see the cube-shaped Earth. For those of you who know, that is where Darkseid lives. Hey everyone, Mike here. It must have been real late when I recorded this episode because I do know that Bizarro lives on the cubed planet, not Darkseid. Back to the show. So if you're a comics reader and you see the cube-shaped planet on your screen, you know this is going to be a Bizarro episode. And knowing that Bizarros are involved, we're going to have a whole bunch of hijinks. And here is a Danny Dark providing the voice of Bizarro, which I don't think he did in previous seasons. But this is definitely Danny Dark, and he is uh, using a Bizarro's voice and kind of speaking in kind of a sing-song type manner. Bizarro number one. Almost late enough for import meeting at Hall of Injustice. Attention, attention! Fellow Bizarro Supermen, this meeting will come to disorder. Much better! Reason me got you here is because us much too powerful. And because us too powerful, we need protection. Protection! What do us do? We take this duplicator ray to Earth and make Bizarro superpowers team. So his idea is to take the duplicator ray to Earth and make a Bizarro superpowers team. And this meeting that he's having on uh, his home planet is full of mayhem. Bizarro breaks a podium with a giant gavel and a whole bunch of Bizarro supermen are causing all kinds of havoc. It is just absolute chaos. So now in Metropolis, Wonder Woman is giving a reward to Firestorm and Cyborg, or maybe for their actions in the previous story. I don't know. But Mixias Pitalik shows up to add insult to injury. There's already been a lot of uh, injury in this episode. Now we're going to get some insult. Now things are really about to go nuts in this episode as Bizarro shows up and goes right through the stage, shoots them all with the uh, duplicate array, and now we have a bunch of extra Bizarro duplicates roaming around. So Bizarro wants to take his new Bizarro Bizarros back home with him, but Mixias Pitalik shows up and, and one woman basically looks like she's got a headache. I'm right there with you, Diana. These two gave me a headache as well. Me had headache from the, these two characters as well. So Mixie sweeps the heroes away with his magic, and this episode is now going batshit crazy. These three bizarros are going to disrupt the traffic cop, causing a disturbance to the car crash. The people are angry, but Mixie is enjoying it. That is, until he sends a statue to destroy a pond area. So the bizarros are wreaking all kinds of havoc. No Superman in this episode, just the uh, bizarro Superman. I guess we don't want to have a scene of Danny Dark talking to himself, but, but maybe, maybe we should have. I would have loved to have seen... Uh, Danny Dark do that previous uh, Bizarro episode. So the Bizarros are wreaking all kinds of havoc. No Superman, just the Bizarros. I guess they don't want Danny Dark doing too much work at once. So now Bizarro Wonder Woman is uh, working out and the other two are uh, screwing around with the main view screen. And this episode is dumb and I can barely stay focused on it. I think I kept dozing off during this episode, as I recall. Just... This episode is not did not hold my interest in the slightest. You know, Bizarro just wants to go back to Bizarro World, and Mixie is preventing him from doing that. And then they trash the Hall of Justice, because they can. Then they're going to take care of criminals by creating a jailbreak. Just utter nonsense. And the Bizarro think they're helping, but they're not. And uh, Bizarro is crying, and Wonder Woman saves a couple of corrections officers, and I think I'm crying, and this is just not a good episode. I barely got through And basically what Wonder Woman does is she turns the duplicate array on Mixie Spitalik. And it creates a bizarre Mixius Pitalik to harass Bizarro World. Because if you have, uh, you know, I guess this Mixius Pitalik would not make fun pranks or something like that. I don't know. I hate Bizarro speak as much as the next person does. But the one thing that that is fun about Bizarro Mixius Pitalik is that his name is Guilty, Guilty Season. 
or this show says, I don't know, it's so wrong that I can't even pronounce it, Kiltelzim or something like that. So the Bizarros are going to go after the Imp, and then in an effort to keep the Bizarros from leaving, Mixie has pitifully calls the uh, Bizarro Mixie by name, and poof, he is sent back to his home dimension. Away he goes, away this episode goes, away go the Bizarros, away goes everything. And that's just too much nonsense for one episode. That's all I have to say about that. And I think it's time for me to go away, at least for this week. Next time, the Dark Side Deception and the fear. Till then, feedback is always welcome. Manascreen at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Manascreen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. Till next time, folks. No matter how bad the episode is, we're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Email to this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.